In a, um, a sermon I preached a few weeks ago, we used a passage of Scripture from the book of Exodus that told about Moses leading the Israelites from slavery in Egypt uh, to the Promised Land. And today, I, I want to continue along that same storyline. And while these two sermons might have a little bit of overlap, they're not the same sermon because there's some other parts of that same story that I, I really want us to look at today. Since context is always helpful in understanding what we're reading, I want to do a little bit of review of some of the events that lead us to where our text is today. In the first chapter of the book of Exodus, we read that after a time of being highly favored, hang on a second, test one, test one. I can hear that one better than this one. Don't know why. We'll just move on. Let's go back. In the first chapter of the book of Exodus, we read that after a time of being highly favored in Egypt, the Israelites had now, over the course of 400 plus years, had gone from being highly favored to becoming slaves. So let's fast forward. Pharaoh was afraid that the population of the Israelites would grow too much, so he put out an order that all male children, Jewish babies, had to be killed, and that was in an effort to control the population of the Jews. So we fast forward past that to a mother hiding her baby in a basket in an attempt to save him. This happened to be Moses that was in the basket. And then that basket being discovered by the very Pharaoh's daughter, the one who had proclaimed that all the boys' babies would be killed, his daughter happens to find that baby. Not just happens, that was a God-ordained thing. Which ultimately led to Moses, an Israelite, a Jew, being raised in the house of Pharaoh, the head of the Egyptians. If that wasn't enough, God even arranged for Moses' real mother to raise him in Pharaoh's house. That's just the kind of God we serve. When he does it, he does it all the way. All was well until Moses killed an Egyptian that he saw beating an Israelite. And because of that, he ran away to the desert to keep from being killed. So that covered about 40 years. So everybody take a deep breath. We just covered 40 years of Moses' life. Since leaving Egypt... Now 40 more years have passed. We just covered another 40 years. And during that time, Moses has actually been working in the desert as a shepherd for his father-in-law. But while he was gone, the conditions back in Egypt had actually gotten worse. One day out in the desert, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush and said, go to the Pharaoh of Egypt and tell him to let the Israelites go. That was a pretty big deal because there were hundreds of thousands, at the very least, hundreds of thousands, some people say like 1.5 million um, Israelites that were slaves in Egypt. So you can imagine what that would do to their economy, what it would do to their workforce. And still, God said, I want you to go back there and say, hey, Pharaoh, you need to let all those people go. It wasn't going to be an easy task, and Moses knew that, which was one of the reasons that he really resisted listening to God, because it wasn't going to be easy. But eventually he agreed to do it, and in the meantime, conditions back in, in Egypt got a lot worse for Jewish slaves. 
But in spite of being afraid, Moses now, accompanied by his brother Aaron, did what God told him to do and went to Pharaoh. So let's read our scripture text, Exodus chapter 7, verses 2 through 6. This is God speaking to, to Moses and Aaron. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Now think about that for a minute. God is saying, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And you're going to risk your life because he's already been after you because you're not very popular. He killed somebody. But after you go through all of this, he ain't going to listen to you. Let's go back to the story. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with a mighty act of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron, everybody hang on to this right here. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. The key to everything that we've has happened up until now, and everything that is going to happen after right now is that scripture right there. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Obedience to God is not always comfortable, but it is always the right thing. And God will always bless and honor our obedience. And let me, let me just add, obedience is not only the right thing, it is absolutely vital if we expect to see the things that God has promised to us. God told Moses up front, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and it won't change Pharaoh's mind. And then he adds, but I'm going to do this, and everyone will see that I am the Lord, and then when it's all over, Pharaoh's going to let the Israelites go. And Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. So they went to Pharaoh, and they told him what the Lord had told them to say. And then after a bit of a showdown between Pharaoh's magicians and Aaron, which was pretty cool, by the way. Go back and read that if you want. Not right now. Verse 13 says that Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them. Imagine that. God said he's not going to listen to you, and then when it actually happens, he doesn't listen to them. I could stop and preach right there for a minute, but I'm going to... Do that some other time. Over the next few chapters of the book of Exodus, we see that every time Moses asked Pharaoh to let the people go, Pharaoh said no. And every time Pharaoh said no, God would pour out another plague on Egypt. There was water in the Nile that turned to blood. Fish died. It smelled horrible. And Pharaoh said, nope, you're not going anywhere. There was a plague of frogs. Frogs everywhere. Pharaoh said, Hey, 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 wait, wait. If you make these frogs go away, then, then you can leave. He lied. Look what happened after all the frogs were dead. Exodus 8, 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Aaron and Moses, just as the Lord had said. In other words, no, you're not leaving, no matter what I said. Then there was a plague of gnats, flies, the livestock died. There was a plague of boils, followed by a plague of hail. And then came a plague of locusts followed by a plague of darkness across the land that lasted for three days. And during this time, each time, Pharaoh would say, okay, if you make it stop, I'll let you go. And each time he lied. 
That mentality of making a deal with God is something that still happens today. Some horrible event happens in our life, and folks cry out to the Lord, and they say, Lord, if you'll take this away, I'll live for you the rest of my life. Just fix this problem. Make these frogs go away. Roxanne, that would have been horrible for you. I'm glad you weren't there. And so God takes it away, whatever it is that we pray about. God takes it away, and so many times we see that over time, these same people go right back to doing what they were doing before they prayed, God, take it away. Saying no to God. Let me assure you of this. Just as God knew that Pharaoh would not keep his word, he's not surprised today by people that do the same thing. Remember before Moses went, he said, you're going to go say these things, and he's not going to listen to you. And when we try to make deals with God, be assured we need to be very cautious because not only does he know our heart, he knows the very intent of what we're saying. He knows if we're trying to, to, to work him. Amen. And be assured it ain't working. Back to Exodus. Finally, in Exodus 11.1, 1, God says this to Moses. Now, the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here, and when he does, he will drive you out completely. He won't just let you go. He's going to say, please, get out of here. Leave. Go. Now. Go. Exodus 12, verses 31 through 33. We, we see that before this happens, that night, every Egyptian's firstborn son died. From the poorest house to the Pharaoh's palace, the firstborn of every Egyptian family died. And then this is what happened. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. Really? <laughs> the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die, just as God said. Not only is he going to let you go, he is going to tell you, please go. So the Israelites packed up their stuff, they left. But even though God had delivered them out of this horrible life of slavery, he still knew what was in their heart. Exodus, not yet. So the Israelites leave Egypt. They follow Moses as Moses follows God. And as long as Moses was following God and the people were following him, everything was just fine and everything happened just as God said it would. By the way, the title of this sermon today is um, Living Life in God's Timing. I guess I should have said that earlier. Living Life in God's Timing. It was when either part of that arrangement broke down, when either Moses wasn't following God or the people weren't following Moses, when either part of that broke down, they experienced problems. If Moses didn't follow God, there was a problem. If the people didn't follow Moses, there was a problem. They were all in this together, and they needed to stay together in order to see what God was going to do for them. 
So now let's read Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that leads through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Now I want to make sure we get that. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that leads through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Even though the Israelites had seen miraculous things happen back in Egypt. Even though they were once slaves and now they're free. God knew their heart and he knew that if they encountered some resistance along the way, they would probably just turn around and go right back to Egypt and back into slavery. So what God did is he led them on a path that although it was not the most direct path, it was a little bit longer, it was God's way, and it was for their own good. Now, before you're too hard, too hard on these folks, I will tell you there are a lot of times when God protects us from things for the very same reason. God knows what we can handle. He knows what will overwhelm us. And in those times, he will often take us on a path that to us might, might not seem like the most direct path to where we thought we were headed. That doesn't mean the path he takes us on through parts of our life will be easy. Instead, it means that it is exactly where he wants us to be at the time. It will be exactly in his timing. And if we will just follow him, he will go before us and he will protect us. The whole reason for him taking them around the Philistines was that he was protecting them. They had just been delivered from slavery. And I want to make sure we understand what's going on here. The Israelites were still headed to the promised land. Just like God had said. The final destination was still the same. The difference now is that they were traveling a longer route around the Philistine country. And around a place where if they experienced a little bit of opposition, remember, God knew their heart. If they experienced a little bit of opposition, they would have given up and ran back to where they came from. And sometimes we might wonder why the path seems so long that we're on. God, isn't there a better way? Isn't there a shortcut to get to where you want me to be? To get to where I'm headed, do we have to go this way? Are we there yet? Well, maybe there is a way that seems shorter to us. But once again, in order to stay in God's perfect plan for our life, in order to live our lives in God's timing, the real answer would be, no, there isn't. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us that there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. If we are truly following God then we can know for sure that the path he puts us on is the path that he knows is best for us. Verses 21 and 22 of chapter 13 tells us that God provided the the Israelites with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night so that they could travel at night. God is doing everything he said he would do. Exodus 14 verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near pi Harayaroth, between Migdal and the city, in the sea. 
They are to encamp by the sea directly before Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Well, again, I want us to focus on that phrase. So the Israelites did this. Everything's good so far. But here comes the Egyptian army now, just like God had said. And we would think that after all the Israelites had seen God do, that they would see this army and just say, this is no problem for God. We've already seen what he can do. Everything's going to be fine, right? And that's not what happened at all. Let's see what really happened. So again, here's several hundred thousand people, maybe as much as a million and a half people in the desert, headed toward the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is right there in front of them. And the entire Egyptian army is closing in behind them. Pretty bad. Let's read verses 10 and 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Pretty snarky. Weren't there enough graves back in Egypt, Moses? You had to bring us out here to die? Here we go. Basically what they were saying is, Moses, what's your problem, man? Can't you see we're getting ready to die here? Weren't there enough graves back there that we have to just die out here in the desert? Did you have to bring us out here so that we could just be buried in the desert? We'd have been better off as slaves back in Egypt, basically just proclaiming we're all going to die. And based on Moses' response, I would say that the people were very close to abandoning him and leaving him standing by himself. And then they were ready to run off into the desert towards the Egyptian army, waving a white flag and begging the Egyptians, please take us back to slavery, the very slavery that God had delivered them from. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So here's basically what Moses told them. They were facing something that absolutely terrified them. He said, first of all, don't be afraid. Stand still, watch, and be still or be quiet. When we are faced with situations in life that we don't understand, we would do well to follow those exact same instructions. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch what God will do and just be quiet. Now, if what I'm going to say next applies to you, that's great. Please take it to heart. If you think it doesn't apply to you, that's okay too. And you can be the super spiritual person here that prays for the rest of us. So if that's you, then for the next couple minutes, minutes, just pray, thank you, Lord, for making sure that so-and-so's here today to hear this, because this is for me, so I need you to pray for me. So here we go. Difficult things will happen in our lives. 
And the longer we stay in that situation, we can begin to question everything, especially God's timing. Moses handled the situation unlike many folks would have handled it. Instead of saying, everybody run, you're on your own. Instead of doing that, he simply said, do not be afraid. That is some tough advice. Maybe right now you're facing some difficult circumstances in your life, and from where you are standing, things seem impossible. Let me assure you that if you are following God, nothing is impossible. Philippians 4.13 tells us that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Not I can do all things, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I do not have to be afraid. I can tell you that if I wasn't 100% sure that God was leading me to move forward as pastor of High Point Church, I would look around at some of the circumstances over the past couple years and I would be terrified. In the beginning of 2020, before COVID hit, this place was filling up and just saw new people come in all the time. And don't you think the devil just all the time is, hey, 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 you're doing a terrible job, Pastor. Hey, where are all the people? Hey, hey. If I wasn't 100% sure that God was leading me to move forward as the pastor of High Point Church, I would be terrified. And I will tell you, there are some times when I am quite concerned. My wife can tell you that. But here's the truth. Regardless of what has happened, regardless of what is happening, regardless of what is going to happen, I am still going to trust God because I know that he led me here. I know this is his plan, and his timing is always better than mine. From where I stand today, I might see the Red Sea ahead of me. And when I turn around, I might see an army coming up. But be assured, I will not run. And I certainly will not abandon the cause and go off running into the desert screaming, we're all going to die. Ain't going to happen, folks, because I know that I am exactly at the place where God has led me. You say, well, how do you know that? What happened today right there is confirmation. That is confirmation. The Bible says that the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. There are angels up there right now today doing the happy dance over Rob. And I'm about ready to do the happy dance over Rob myself. And you're right with me. That right there tells me that it's worth it all. If the angels will rejoice over one soul, then everything that happens, that has happened, is happening, will happen, is worth it all. 
I'm not going to run off. Because God has brought us to the exact place where we are today so that he can remind us that he is still God. If the Israelites had had everything just ducky in their life, if there was no Red Sea, if there was no Egyptian army, how would they ever have known how great their God was? Look back at chapter 14, verse 4. God told, told Moses, he said, there are going to be some, some scary stuff happening. I'm paraphrasing here. But when it's all over, this will bring me glory. I will gain glory for myself. Sometimes we have to get to the place where when God takes care of whatever is going on, when God delivers us from what is oppressing us, when God works a miracle on our behalf, we know without a doubt that it is God's doing and not our own. And when that happens, and I said when, not if, but when that happens, we don't pat ourselves on the back and say, good job, David. No, that is when we lift our hands in praise, we fall on our face before God and we say, Lord, you are great. You are my salvation. You are my creator. You are my provider. You are my healer. You are my redeemer. You are my source of peace and I will give you the glory for everything that you've done. Y'all might as well get happy because I'm going to get happy here. Moses wasn't finished yet. Next, he said, if you will not be afraid, if you will stand firm or still, and if you will watch, the Lord will fight for you. And then once again, it's that phrase, last phrase of verse 14 that I want to pay attention to. God will fight for you. You only need to be still. Once again, let me say that whatever might be going on in your life, Maybe it's time for right now just to stop fighting. Stop trying to fight the battle yourself and just be still and let God fight the battle for you. Psalm 46.1, David said, God is our refuge and our hope and ever-present in time of trouble. And then you drop down to verse 10, and God speaks and says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Let God fight your battle. That sounds great, right? But as great as it might have sounded to the Egyptians or to the Israelites, as great as it might have sounded to Moses, at this point in their situation, I feel pretty confident that there was absolutely no one, including Moses, who knew how God was going to save them from the Egyptians. It was just that guy up there saying, everybody, hey, you in the back in the red shirt, you too. Everybody be still. Yes, even Gary, you too. Be still. We're all going to stand here. We're going to watch what God has to do. So just be still. He turns around thinking to himself, I have no idea what God's going to do here. I am in trouble if something doesn't happen. As great as that might have sounded, 
It didn't mean it would be easy. There might have been some, in fact, I, I would say there probably were some folks that in spite of Moses' passionate speech, who just ran off into the desert. Because they just could not see how God possibly could fix this. So rather than do it in God's timing, I'm just going to take matters in my own hands. After all, me running out into an unknown desert on my own makes a lot more sense than trusting in the God that's performed all kinds of miracles and who has never failed me. Right? No. In spite of all the unknowns and even the doubts, when the people were obedient to God, he always did exactly what he said he would do. And he always did it in a phenomenal way. It did not end there with them standing at the Red Sea and just waiting. It also required some action on their part. And somebody's thinking, well, you didn't have to go there. I kind of liked the story up till now. Exodus 14, verses 15 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell him to move on. Raise your staff. And stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Okay, Moses, here's what we're going to do. You, you take that staff, that Stick you got in your hand there. The one I told you to bring along, I told you you're going to need it sooner or later. Grab it. And you're going to raise it, and when you do this, that sea in front of you is going to part. And then all y'all are going to just walk across on dry land. They were from the south, all y'all. And our response would have been, well, you're going to do what? That has never happened before. Are you sure, God? Because as you can see, we're in a little bit of a time crunch here. And once again, from where they're standing, looking at the situation, you might be saying the same words in your life. And once again, let me say, do not be afraid. Be still and watch what God is doing and what he's going to do. So Moses stretched out his hand and the waters parted. And wait for it. They still weren't saved. But the water's parted. There's dry land. Nope. You see, now it was time for the people to do their part. And their part was to actually walk across the dry riverbed of the former Red Sea to the other side. If the Israelites would have just stood there and looked at the Red Sea all parted and looked at the dry land in front of them, just looking and thinking, well, you know what? I've never seen anything like this before. What if we get out there in the middle and that water that went this way goes this way? I ain't doing that. That ain't happening. If they would have done that, here's what would have happened to them. They would have all died when the army caught up to them. And they would have died right there looking at victory but refusing to move forward. God had just provided a way of deliverance. 
He had just provided exactly what they needed. There was a time to stand still and wait. There was a time to stand still and be quiet and let God do what he was going to do. But that time was past. And now the choice was theirs. Do they move forward or do they stay where they are and die? As we go forward at High Point Church, there will be times of standing firm, watching, times of standing still, But I can assure you there's also going to be times of going forward because that's the only way we're going to get to where God wants us to be. God has brought us to where we are for a reason. Look at verses 17 and 18 again. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after him. In other words, he's saying, go on, get across there. All y'all go on because I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and he's going to chase y'all into that, that parted water. And I will gain glory. Through all of the things that happened, God received the glory. And through all of where God leads us as High Point Church as we move forward, I promise you that God will receive the glory. We cannot stand frozen in fear. We must move forward as God leads us, knowing that his plan is a plan of victory, not a plan of defeat. We must move forward as God leads, knowing that he has never lost a battle. And since he is the same yesterday and today and forever, he will never lose a battle. Yes, there is a time to stand. Yes, there is a time to be still and watch what the Lord will do. But there is also a time to go forward and claim all that God has for us. And that time is now. Well, pastor, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, you know what? Make sure that's what it is. And not that even though the Lord has opened up the Red Sea right in front of you, even though there was no place to go before that, he has opened a clear path for you to walk on, and instead of going forward, you're basically just standing there saying, would you pick me up and carry me now? Sometimes we just have to walk forward. It requires some action on our part. Many times when Jesus healed people in the New Testament, he said, well, that's Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. When Jesus healed people in the New Testament, there was a lame man. He said, you want to be healed? He says, yes. Okay, stand up. Um, I'm lame. Okay, stand up, pick up your bed, and go home. And you know what? If he would have said, you were supposed to heal me. You see, the healing came when he was obedient. Because there comes a time in all of our lives when God speaks to us and says, do this. We have to do it. Stop standing at the Red Sea with it all parted, waiting for God to pick you up and piggyback you across. He said, walk. God told Moses, tell the people to move on. Let me say this to some folks today. There are and will be ministry opportunities here at High Point Church as we go forward. There was a time for waiting. 
But for some folks who are here today, it's time to stop waiting. It's time to stop running off into the desert. It's time to stop looking for the next best thing. It's time to stop saying, I'm just waiting for God's will when it's staring you right in the face like the Red Sea parted. It's time to move forward into the opportunities that God has opened up for you at High Point Church. What if the Israelites would have said this? And I'm going to close. Y'all don't come up yet. I want everybody to hear this. What if the Israelites would have said this? Well, I know there was an uncrossable sea in front of me. And I know there was a huge army coming. And I saw God part the water. And I saw the dry land, not mud, just dry land to walk across. Nobody hold on. Well, you know, I heard about a guy a couple miles up that's building a bridge. And I think I'll go check that out. Rather than walk across the path that God provided in his timing, I think I'll go down and see if that was true. And there's nothing wrong with the guy down there building a bridge. Except when the Egyptians were following the Israelites, there was no guy down there building a bridge. If you were at the place where God has led you to, and you've seen things open up, what are you waiting for? Now, worship team, you come up. You see, when we, when we hear what would have sounded really silly from the, the Israelites to have said, I'm going to go looking for the guy building the bridge, we go, well, that's just crazy talk. And yet people do it all the time. Since we all agree that that's just silly, let me just say this. If that's you, stop it. Just stop it. Let me close with this quote from one of my favorite pastors, Chuck Swindoll. And I'm going to quote him because he says it a lot better than I would. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch God come through. Quit talking. The hardest is the fourth because we just have to complain or tell somebody what a predicament we're in. But God doesn't need to be informed. He knows the predicament. He's simply waiting for us to calm down and keep silent. When you are in a cul-de-sac, led by God to that tight place, tight place, it is there you will discover some phenomenal surprises designed just for you. That's why Moses said, look, let's stand still. There's a great blessing for here for us, and we'll miss it if we turn tail and run. You know the common response to panic. First, we become afraid. Second, we run. Third, we fight. And fourth, we tell everyone. And God's counsel is just the opposite. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch him work. Keep quiet. It is then he does his best work on our behalf. He takes over. And then he handles our predicament opposite the way we do it. The Lord is tapping his foot, waiting for us to wait. End of quote.
And I would just ask us all today, and I include myself in this, what are we waiting for? We've seen God do miraculous things. We've seen God provide when that just did not seem like there was any way. During COVID, when there was two different times, we were shut down for a couple months at a time. There were things that came up that we needed done here at the church. And you know what? Every time God provided the finances for it to be done. You say, well, how did he do it? I don't know. I don't look at all that stuff. I just know when I went to say, do we have the money? The answer was yes. I know that in the last year, I've had an opportunity to baptize two of my best friends. And lots of other folks. And if that's what it's all about, which is it is, that is what it's all about. Seeing people saved. If that's what it's all about, then why would we stop and say, well, I just don't see what God's doing. I do. I see what God's doing. He's sitting right there. For all those times in the last couple years that I've had one of those sit-downs with God, a lot of times right here, and I found myself stretched out on this floor, nobody here, just a big open building, and crying out to God, God, I don't understand what's going on here. Everything looks like it's going wrong. This is not the direction. This can't be right. Basically, what I was saying is, all I can see is the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. And I cannot see the greatness of God. But I will tell you today, I see it. And I am encouraged. I'm not running off in the desert screaming we're all going to die. Instead, I will stand here today and I will say, look what God has done. Look what God has done.
There's a time to stand. There's a time to listen. There's a time to be quiet. It will always be followed by God doing exactly what he said he'll do. And then us stepping out to see it happen. And folks, it's happening. He said, well, I don't see it. We did. And by faith, we're going to keep seeing it happen. And we're going to see it. If it's one at a time, that's fine. If it's a family of 27, that's fine. I'll take either one. But it's going to take us going out and doing exactly what the Bible tells us to do in Matthew 28, 19, and that's to go and make disciples. We've had a Bible study now for several weeks on discipleship. Wasn't a coincidence. I didn't know at the time I was going to be standing here saying these words today, but we spent a lot of weeks talking about discipleship. Right before that and kind of overlapping that, we talked. We had a sermon series here for eight weeks about the whole armor of God, of how we're prepared. We have everything that we need to go forward. And right after all of that happened, Some stuff happened. And there's probably somebody today that's saying, well, Pastor, how can you say that? Knowing what's going on. I can say it because I know who my God is. And God ain't done with me yet. week from tomorrow kind of a big deal God's still not done with me yet don't be afraid for me because I'm determined I'm not going to be afraid my God is a healer and whether he does it just miraculously boom it when the doctors get there and they say, hey, it's all, all that cancer's gone, that's fine. Or whether he uses the doctors to get it all gone, that's fine. Either way, it's okay. We're still going to go across that Red Sea that God has opened up and that dry land, we're still going to walk across it. And I'm going to run out in front of everybody and lead the way. But we're going to do it in God's timing. And I will tell you, it's time. Would you stand? Y'all look good today. If you were here today and you have never made a start to live for the Lord, as they sing here in a minute, would you just come and we'll, someone will meet you here. And they will talk to you and lead you to the Lord today. And we can baptize you. You just have to go home in wet clothes. That'll be fine. 
you want to just come and pray and make and renew a, your, your commitment to God, would you do that as well? Or you can do it right where you stand. But before we leave here today, I want us to all speak to the Lord. Worship team.